Hi, I'm Susan Foch, and when I was 18 years old, I launched a national nonprofit organization out of my freshman college dorm room. Now, with almost a decade of experience under my belt, I'm here to teach you my tried and true tips and tricks for running your own nonprofit or social enterprise and how to build it from the ground up. You're listening to this podcast because you're ready to make a difference in this world. I see you, I hear you, and I'm ready to help you. Now let's make an impact together. You're listening to the Make an Impact Podcast, episode 37. And I am literally recording this intro with a face mask on because I felt like it fit today's topic. I love talking about all things, again, nonprofit and entrepreneurship. And while there's a lot of tactical things, business things that all come with that, um, it's so easy for us to not take care of ourselves. I love talking about self-care and how to have just this like bomb, kick-ass like way that you get to create your whole life, not just your business or your mission, uh, the impact that you've chosen to do in this life, but also yourself, your family your health, your body, um, all these things, like how are you doing everything to the best of your ability and living for the best version of yourself? And Kyla Morris was one of the best people to talk to about this topic. She, I've actually known Kyla for quite a few years. We met back in 2013. We have the same alma mater of UW Oshkosh, and I met her in the Fox Cities area. And actually, while I was competing for Miss Oshkosh in 2013, which feels like a whole different lifetime ago. And now she has gone through some really cool different career changes from living in LA to starting her own comedy house to now really teaching people how to maximize self-care and self-love for themselves, which is so cool. And she even created the course. And if you are a stand-up comedy or an improv comedy fan like me, you will kind of notice the, uh, the cute thing she did here. It's called Yes and Success. So yes and success for yourself, for your life, not just for your life and your business, but just who you are down to your root, down to your core. Um, we talk about a lot of great ways that you can be taking care of yourself in in here, a lot of things about therapy. It's a really good on an honestly really funny conversation because Kyle is just a really, a really hilarious gal. You guys are going to love this episode all about self-care. And if you like it so much, the cool thing is, uh, because Kyla is amazing, this episode is sponsored by her course, which is Yes and Success. And we have in the show notes um, or in the Facebook, LinkedIn, however you found this episode notes, her free gift to everyone is and you'll hear her talk about it in the episode, she created 52 journaling prompts, one for every week of the year in 2021. If you want to create a journaling habit, uh, follow the link in the show notes to her journaling prompts, and you can kind of get started just really doing a great brain dump, focusing your attention somewhere about yourself. And also, if you would like to take her online course, it's a 21-day course of Yes and Success, also check out the link in the show notes because if you use that link, 10% of your course purchase will be donated back to Operation Alone, which if you are new to this podcast, hey, hi, hello, uh, my name is Susan, and I am the founder of Operation Not Alone, which is a nonprofit to help both our military members and veterans, but under an umbrella of mental health initiatives which the mental health initiatives we are really pushing and promoting uh, for the general public in our round two of a pandemic world. Um, it's called the Train Like a Warrior campaign. So I was beyond thrilled and um, really, really humbled and honored that Kyla wanted to reach out and make a donation as a part of this, uh, this podcast, this recording, this program uh, that was so beyond sweet of her. Honestly, because she is just that amazing. <laughs> And honestly, and I'm just going to plug this even more, I think it speaks so much to Kyla's character and just the lovely human being that she is. She emailed me about that as an idea like way after we did this interview that she wanted to kind of create an affiliate link, but for a donation for Operation Alone, which I thought was the coolest and sweetest thing of her. So if you are interested in her full self-loving course, um, which you will hear all about in this episode, again, check out the link in the show notes for Yes and Success and 10% will be donated back to Operation Alone or totally for free. Go check out her 52 journal prompts for 2021 and get your self-care started today. 
So without further ado, Miss Carla Morris, will you please tell us a little bit about yourself um, and why you have become the successful, hilarious, amazing woman that you are today? Okay, Susan, I am so happy to be here. I, I've been listening so far to the podcast and absolutely loving what you're doing. Yes. So it is an honor to be on the show for oh my sure. God, thank you. That like makes my heart so happy. <laughs> Yes, you got to keep going, girl. It's doing great. Okay. So, yes, thank you. Thank you. And Susan, we actually met a long time ago now that I think about this. We did. So, the funny story, we now are recently reconnected because we have the same business coach, which is Kylie Hodges, who you will also find back on episode five of the podcast. She was like one of my first handful of episodes all about networking. Um, but yeah, we met through Miss Wisconsin ages ago. We did. We did. So old. Like, yeah, no, you, what? I'm pretty sure I'm older, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I, like, I think it was 2012, maybe even 2013. Well, actually, I think it was 2013 Miss Oshkosh. Was that the first time that you did, like, the video recording of the show? So that's the first time we met was 2013, which is so crazy. (laughs) Yeah, you are so, you are so right. Yeah, so, um, I, I, 2013 is when I actually started the comedy house. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing Miss Oshkosh as a side gig in order to, to keep money afloat coming in. So that, that is when we met. Yeah. That was me side hustling over there. Oh my gosh. For sure. That's so funny. (laughs) Please tell us everything. I mean, you have an interesting story, so please tell us everything about yourself and yeah, the, the journey that's taken you to your your self-care loving place today sure absolutely so i graduated from uwo so back back to my home roots here i graduated from uwo with a radio tv film degree that was uh that was where i got my start and that was back in when did i graduate 2009 is when i graduated from uwo so if you want to do math you can knock yourself out uh graduated with my radio tv film degree and then i actually moved out to LA right away after college and worked in the industry for five years. So a few of the things I was doing out there was working on, I worked on CSI Miami was my longest stint. Um, and then also Disney's Ant Farm and a couple of award shows. So I was doing a whole bunch of crazy stuff, living, living that Hollywood life of sitting in traffic and sitting in grocery store lines, you know, pre-COVID where there was no masks. I can't imagine that life today. <laughs> but yeah, so so doing, doing the, the television industry um, type stuff, and I, I kind of, whenever I talk about my journey, I feel like I realize that in each piece that I go through, you know, I'm, I, I've discovered that there is one thing that I've always found myself doing, and that was making sure that I'm helping other people in some sort of way. So like when I went, when I wanted to go into TV, I was really looking at wanting to help people kind of take a break from their day-to-day life and be able to sit down on the couch and watch an hour-long TV show that they enjoy and, you know, get a little bit of break from the day-to-day. Um, and so, you know, the, the hours in the television industry are super long. I mean, I think my longest day was a 20-hour day. And, you know, that was a lot. That was absolutely a lot. And, um, and so I, a, a big part of, like, who I am as an individual, too, is I love my family, hands down. And, uh, in 2012, I decided to quit my job (laughs) and move back to Wisconsin, uh, willy nilly. Um, but really my grandma, she, she was passing away of cancer at the time. She had stage four lung cancer. And so I was like, you know what? I need to be back home by the people I love. Like I'm done with these long days. I'm done with sitting in traffic. I'm done with all of that. I need to move back home and be with my family. And I wanted to be there. And so I, quit my job at the end of the year. And I moved back to Wisconsin in 2013, which is the year that I met you uh, for Miss Oshkosh, but also the year that I started the Comedy House. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I moved back January. And by March, I had signed a lease for (laughs) for the first place I looked at to open up the shop. I don't really think about things before I do them too much. I'm really much of a, if I'm feeling this, I'm going to go for it. And we can think about, you know, the details later, if you will. (laughs) Um, 
This is very true of me. Yeah, so for the Comedy House, you guys did shows, but you also did, like, improv classes and stuff. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so when we started the Comedy House um, in Oshkosh, nobody knew what improv comedy was, and that was the main thing we were doing. So if you've ever seen Whose Line Is It Anyway, it's very similar to that. Everything's made up on the spot. And so not, you know, we were teaching people in Oshkosh what improv comedy was. A lot of people showed up thinking that they were going to get a stand-up show, which wasn't what was intended. Um, but then one of the pieces, one of the bigger pieces that I took away from the comedy house personally, because I didn't perform, I worked the front, you know, did the business side of things, all that stuff was our improv workshops. Mm -hmm. So I started putting together improv workshops to teach people the tools of yes and. So, um, and that is something that you'll find in, in what I'm doing today uh, is the yes and concept. And basically, in an improv scene, uh, yes and is the tool that, that makes a team really work, right? So you want to always be heightening the scene. And by heightening the scene, you say yes to whatever was presented and you add something onto that. So um, I've been able to use those tools in order to teach a variety of different businesses, some big top, you know, companies on how to utilize yes and in their sales or in their customer service or in team building. And um, so throughout the, I had the comedy house for the eight years and throughout that time, that's uh, that was two pieces. We were doing improv shows and we were doing improv workshops mm -hmm. and the improv workshops. Those were my absolute favorite. Um, I love engaging and meeting new people. I love to help people. And that was the thing that, that drove me just to keep going really. I'm a very large, like, stand-up comedy fanatic and so I've done a lot of research is the weird thing to say but like I listen to a lot of like comedy podcasts that also talk about the back end of their stuff and so they talk a lot about doing improv work and the yes ands but also I've read that for uh public speakers that they will put themselves through improv classes just because like the the actions of of yes and help them not only kind of with speech writing but it's like maintaining the stage and being able to kind of work but also when you're thrown off by something mm -hmm. a little bit like that improv seems to just help people understand how to pivot a lot easier if they're on a stage setting to that i would also argue pageantry will help you figure out how to pivot <laughs> like a microsecond of something but actually because now that we're talking about it I'm remembering the Miss Oshkosh that you shot that first year was also it was the year I was the first contestant and for anyone who doesn't know listening I was an Irish dancer and I came out okay. and the you know and like no one wants to be number one and the music that started was this like so I have Irish music, which is like this, like really fast beat up pace, whatever. And it was like this, like really slow ballerina music from the Nutcracker. <laughs> and so like on the spot, <laughs> and it went for what felt like 30 seconds that I was like, this isn't, I, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, so I would argue that pageantry will also teach you how to figure out how to pivot on the spot. But I've heard that a lot about improv comedy. So um yeah, I think that that's interesting because it was, that was also right when I was a freshman, like improv comedy was a weird thing to plop down in the Fox cities. So what made you choose like to set up an improv comedy spot on Main Street? Yeah, so in LA, I'm going to be very open with you. Uh, the you story can. I tell people, the story I tell people is that um, when I was living in LA, I really enjoyed going to improv shows, which is 100% true, 100%. But I had only gone to two. Mm. And then I decided, you know what? You could do this. You could start a comedy house. You could put this on in Oshkosh. Why not? Go do it. Okay, cool. So I, uh, with a, a team of individuals who are incredibly talented, um, put together what we made happen in the comedy in, in downtown Oshkosh for eight years. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, so that's where it came from. Gotcha. Um but there's, there are two key things that I want to point out that you said in terms of your timeline as a human being and as a, a business person, whatever, that I think have to be so defining for you. Um, so you closed the comedy shop down this year, like, or well, last year, June of 2020. Yep, so yep, we closed in 2020. In the pandemic. And you also graduated in the middle of the recession. I oh, feel yeah. like these big life moments for you have not been very kind. Economically speaking, do you think about that a lot when you're like planning these big things? <laughs> like, 
This is hilarious. Um, now that you say it, Susan, uh, yeah, I guess it is kind of a big deal. You know, I decided to move to LA. Uh, oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, when I started in LA, first off, you just move with what you can fit in your car. I was eating cheese quesadillas because cheese was on sale for every freaking meal. I was sleeping on the floor. You know, you're doing what you can in order to survive. You're living off friends' couches and things like that. And um, yeah, so yeah, there is. Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely. Yeah, I guess these are big. These are. Yeah, thanks, Susan, for pointing out these big moments. <laughs> I love it. It's like something you reflected on all the time. Not that I was like going to point. It. Well, it's just because I'm looking at the dates on paper and I'm like, wow, it's like what very significant for to be fair like that's millennials in general it's like anything right. we try to do it's like here's a financial crisis here's a recession here's a pandemic like it hasn't been yeah super kind and I'm not trying to sound like a snowflake but just from like these dates that's it, these are not easy times to do any of these really large life things like graduate college you moved to um, LA of all places because between LA and New York it's like Right. It's so expensive. You want to go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? Gas prices are so low right now. Let's just take a road trip. Oh, that was awful. $5, I think, a gallon at one point. Yeah. So, so I think, um, I think you bring up a really good point because I, I typically, as my example, I don't really put too much time thinking about things before activating on them. Because I don't want to give myself an opportunity to talk myself out of it. Because I'm not a what if person. I'm not going to sit back and be like, well, what if I would have done this? Or what if I would have done that? Like, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to do it. It's kind of like an act now, figure it out later kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had never owned a business before I opened the comedy house. I didn't know how many licensing things needed to happen and how many tax things and all of those different things. Um, I didn't go to school for business. I didn't have any sort of background. However, I have Google, right? So you can start a business with Google. You can do anything with Google. So <laughs> the way we do um, everything in life is with Google. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. So and then and then unfortunately, yes. Um, I I chose to close the comedy house. Um, because of COVID and, you know, we had a very intimate space. That was one of the things that we really prided ourselves in, which ultimately was one of the things that kind of brought us down because I just, I didn't see a safe way to continue to do it in person. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how long, you know, we were going to be in quarantine or having to social distance and things like that. And then also how do you put improv performers on stage wearing masks, you know, like, there just really wasn't a way to keep it true to what our mission was from the beginning. So um, we are all digital now. So the comedy house still exists. It's just in a digital format. And we do shows on Mondays live on Facebook and YouTube. Um, so we're still able to provide an improv comedy space for the community and even globally now, but it's not, you know, it's mm -hmm. not the bread and butter that we really loved before because we were just getting our flow too. <laughs> Right, right. Well, I feel like especially for something like that, and as we keep saying, you know, for something that was a little weirder for the Fox Cities, like it was going to take people time to warm up to it. It's not like, and I'm not trying to, <laughs> I'm not trying to shit on the Fox Cities. It's not like you opened a bar, you know what I mean? Yeah. People could have flooded in two seconds. Like this was something that people needed to like warm up to and decide like, hey, this would be a really great Friday night date night mm -hmm. new option or like something like this. this was like a new thing people needed so yeah Girl, we were we were doing the comedy house the first year without beer we <laughs> didn't have alcohol for the first year because I was like I don't know how to get a liquor license I don't know what to do here so we're gonna go without and keep it simple we're only gonna add comedy and granted once we added alcohol I'm sure you're not surprised that uh business increased <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, but I see, I think it's way more fun. I even did this lap, not last year, like 2020, but in 2019, um, it was like Halloween in Madison. Like I'm a, I was a 25 year old person. I was not going to go to freak fest. I was not going to like, yeah. And so a couple of girlfriends and I, like we went to a comedy show because that was uh -huh. way more fun <laughs> to do was like this kind of like girls night out thing. So I totally understand where that it could have easily really become 
that, you know, again, like date nights, just fun things to do and, and really switch it up. I think especially also in winter, you know, when people don't know what else to do, it's like, but now we have a comedy house. So oh, yeah. very cool. Um, kind of switching gears and kind of into what you're doing now. You are a self-proclaimed, uh, how did you say this before? Anti-people pleaser? You're a recovering people pleaser? <laughs> recovering <laughs> people pleaser. Oh my gosh. I feel like I um, identify as an empath. I identify as a people pleaser you know, um, have always really wanted to just make sure everyone around me is just happy, happy, happy. Therefore, sacrificing my own energy and my own happiness in order to make sure that was happy. Thus, the comedy house. That's like working in, in television, you know, like providing um, a source that, that makes everybody else take a break from their day to day without really focusing on, well, wait a second, what can I do in order to make myself happy? So, yeah, uh, that's, that's exactly what my new, my new direction is with Yes and Yourself and Yes and Success. I think that that's really funny because, so again, this podcast, as you know, is really designated for like nonprofit people, but also and business owners. And I think mm -hmm. that specifically for my nonprofit people, like we are all default, like empaths. <laughs> We're oh, all, yeah. you know, just like those bleeding heart, like there. So I think kind of taking that check of not being a just 110% people pleaser is really hard. That's hard mm -hmm. for people pleasers. What was the first like sign that you had? And I'm sure there were many, but like, what was your breaking point where you're like, I can't do this anymore. I can't be this person anymore. I need to focus more on me. Sure. Absolutely. So I, 2018 was a big year for me. So I had, um, I became a mom. So I had my human. I delivered my human early 2018 and um, that plus a divorce. So those two pivotal moments for me, you know, I feel like there was this transition period where I went from I am Kyla to um, I am Kyla and a wife to now I'm a wife and a mom and I forgot who that Kyla piece was. And so that was a as we were saying earlier, <laughs> that was rock bottom, right? So that was a, that was my, my point where, you know, you look in the mirror and you, you stop really like looking at your, like, you're just like kind of looking through, you know, and then you just start like going through the motions and it's diaper changes and it's, you know, oh, this needs to happen. This needs to happen. And then I'm moving through my divorce and organizing all of that stuff. And, you know, it's just like, chaos and then also just feeling like I'm going through the motions and then that was the point where I was like hold on a second we need to remember who we are originally before all of those things you know before you decide on a career because I've always been I've always been a career-driven woman woman I've always been a career-driven woman I've never looked at myself as being the wife and the mom and all that sort of thing. But that's the path that, you know, I was on and that life took me. And so I'm like, okay, hold on a second. Who am I? Who is this girl? Can I ask you something that's super personal? Um, yeah. And as someone who is single as a Pringle, I do not mm -hmm. have children or any, anything of that. Like, I mean, I've got some cats, but that's <laughs> a whole different story. Um, was there like a weird did you feel a weird shame in kind of admitting like now I have these other titles of wife and mother and that you weren't really living your best life? Like you weren't enjoying that because you weren't recognizing the person in the mirror. Like it was that like a, a shameful thing, a weird thing, a not widely accepted thing to say out loud? Yeah. So I think just in general, being a woman in general, we are it's made to believe that we are supposed to take this path of becoming a wife, becoming a mom. And specifically when you become a mom, forget anything else that you had in life until your kid goes off to college, because you are supposed to be there for all the soccer games. You're supposed to be there, you know, to get them ready for school and put them down for bed and make all of their meals and all that sort of thing. Like that is just ingrained in us as women so for me to want to continue the comedy house absolutely there was a lot of shame um with that and there was a lot of um shame with even me thinking about 
being happy. So, you know, I was like going through the motions and even if like the comedy house wasn't providing me joy anymore, even at that point, you know, like I was just going through the motions. So yeah, there was a whole heck of a lot of shame. Uh, Yeah. Well, and to that, obviously, if anyone listening to this is a mom, or if you're just, like, dreaming of being a wife and a mom, like, do your thing. There's nothing wrong oh, with yeah. that. It's just, it's the fact that claiming that that's not your number one jam is usually an eyebrow raiser to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the thing that brings you all of the joy in the world, pop out all the tiny humans that you, you want. <laughs> um, well, but that's I think you- when you're not that person to admit that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that there's a big piece in saying, you know, I am able to be a wife if I choose to be a wife. I am able to be a mom if I choose to be a mom. But that doesn't mean that I have to forget who I am as an individual. Because when push comes to shove, I'm living with myself every single day. You know what I mean? Like, right. That's what that's what it is. Right. And while, you know, you are, of course, 110% focused, like, on your, your beautiful little human, um, yeah. yeah, you know, after they do go to college, like, it's still, like, that's you living with yourself after they grow up and leave. And hopefully you also teach them well to live with their themselves. But, yeah, um, yeah, but that's, I, you know, I'm curious of that just because, again, very single, very motherless motherless, childless, what (laughs) at the moment? So I can't fully relate to that. That was just like a, it's a narrative I think women are newly having. So I was curious your thoughts on that. I butchered to saying that really eloquently, but you understand what I meant. I love it. I love the way you did it. (laughs) I got single as a Pringle in my head and I'm loving that. So (laughs) amazing. And you're a fur mom. That's still I am a fur mom. Yeah. Well, funny note, I remember saying to someone the other day, weeks ago, whatever. I, I said the phrase single as a Pringle. And this guy got really confused. And he said, that doesn't make any sense. He's like, Pringles come in a whole stack. And I was like, I don't know where the expression actually came from, but it rhymes and I'm going to run with it. Um, I was like, you have a good point, but whatever. Um, anyway. All right. So here's the thing. We talked a little bit before recording about the fact that all those events, you know, you had yeah. the baby, uh, you were getting this divorce, the business wasn't bringing you joy anymore, like, you know, that you kind of hit this rock bottom, mm-hmm. which I think is a weird thing for most people, not a weird thing, I think that's a very hard thing for most people to actually recognize when they're at rock bottom, because I think, because I've done this before, where I've thought like, oh, this is a super low, like, what mm-hmm. if this is rock bottom, and then you hit a different point, and you're like, oh, no, this one is, <laughs> this one is yeah. rock bottom, but then it's like, oh, well, was that as low as this one? How did you really just kind of realize, like, this was it, like, this is the the day that things need to change? Okay, so for one, your journey is never linear, right? So when you're talking about this feels like a rock bottom, and then a little bit later, it feels like, oh, this is a new level of rock bottom, you know, it's, it our journeys are not linear. Mm -hmm. Um, They are most certainly a roller coaster ride. So I don't think that there is one specific event that brings out the, okay, things need to change. It's a multitude of events kind of adding up together that makes the peace and the decision of saying, okay, this is not the life that I want to lead for myself. Something needs to happen. So I think it's, it's a lot of different moments, a lot of different lows in the roller coaster, you know? So, um, yeah, so I don't think it was one event. Yeah. And for all of these things, I mean, you've also said too, that you're the kind of person who doesn't think too hard. You just like run for it. So even for this, like I'm the kind of person where I think that first moment of thinking like, okay, something has to change would come to me in like a really low whisper. And then, like, the next, like, moment, it would get, like, a little bit louder. Like, it would be this, like, mm-hmm. so, but I would keep it to myself for a long time before I finally, like, admit it out loud. Like, okay, I've been thinking about this. This is something that needs to change. So, for you, I mean, you know, was it kind of that? Or one day did you just, like, bust out and you're like, we're changing it all? We're getting divorced? <laughs> I don't, <laughs> we're, we're changing our life. <laughs> well, well, um, personally, it had been building up. So, okay. Um, it was, it was over, it was over quite a bit of time that that decision was being made, um, as far as my relationship was going. Um, and then as far as, you know, once that chapter kind of closed for me, 
And then I was still running, you know, the mom, the mom vibes, I guess, if you will, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and figuring out how to be a new mom, how to be a single new mom, you know, right. Um, And I was a breastfeeding mama. So my baby was constantly attached to me and um, wouldn't change it for the world. Don't get me wrong. But you know, then it came to a point of, okay, so that piece, I am no longer that wife piece, right? Hmm. And the mom piece, I'm not changing for anything. Like this kid is stuck with me forever. I love him to pieces and I'm going, you know what I mean? So like, then it becomes a what can I do for me in order to make sure that I'm the better, the best version of myself for him? Mm-hmm. So there's a shift. There's a shift where, you know, I don't want to necessarily just be that stereotypical mom that society like thinks you have to be. I want to be the best version of myself because I know me as an individual is going to be a kick-ass mom. That was like a, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a light switch for me. Gotcha. And also, you know, you mentioned that there's this point where, you know, and for other people too, because now you, you kind of teach this to other people, like, how do you know when you're at the point where you're actually ready for self-care? And I thought that was a really strange phrasing of it because I was like, everyone always like needs self-care. If that obviously goes beyond like a bubble bath and a face mask and whatever. Um, but so you're at your phrasing of how do you know when you're actually ready for some self-care I thought was really interesting. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so you bring up bubble baths <laughs> and face masks and manicures, and those are all really great things. Mm-hmm. Um, however, like self-care and it, it's self-love mm-hmm. goes deeper than superficial things. Um, it's, it comes more in a reflection stage. And um, I think that any like pivotal moment in time, you know, like, you graduate college and you're trying to figure out what I want to do with my career. Where do I want to go? Who do I want to be? And granted special nugget for anybody that's in that stage, you do not have to do the same thing for the rest of your life. You can constantly be upgrading yourself. Um, But that was a fun little nugget in there that I had to say because that question anyway. um, (laughs) But at these very like pivotal moments in life. So for me, it was divorce and becoming a mom. when I, like I said, when I look in the mirror and I'm just seeing through to myself, that's when I know a bubble bath isn't going to cure what's going on here. A weekend with, um, you know, my human being overnight with his grandparents, that's not going to solve my problems. Um, you know, like it's, it's not these temporary little fixes. It's more of like a, we need to go, we need to dig deeper. We need a, we need a backhoe. We need a big ass shovel and we need to start digging um, <laughs> because bath time ain't cutting it anymore you know face masks aren't cutting it anymore that's right. when you kind of know well and I'm not like I'm not downing that because I think where like the original face mask bubble bath whatever came from was this idea that when you're doing those things like that's 20 minutes where hopefully you're not doing something else right like you're taking a deep breath you're alone with your thoughts so i'm not discounting them in that way but they do you know it's one of those like a bubble bath isn't going to fix all your problems um but yeah that deep that but here's the thing and i think here's where people have an issue with that because i think it's the same as therapy a lot of people are so petrified of what they're going to find when they dig really deep inside of themselves Absolutely. It's just like therapy. It's like some people are like, I know there's a lot of shit hidden in that closet and I'm not going (laughs) to open it and like see what pops out. So, I mean, which is dangerous. So talk about that. Like that's, it's a hard process to dig deep. So talk us a little bit about that and how people can start facing a little bit of that fear. I've been at the same therapist for three years. Previous to that, I had seen 10 say I don't know how many exactly um but in order to conquer the fear of therapy you have to be going to a therapist that you can identify with and and you know there's like there is a certain feeling you get when you sit in a therapist chair and that person you know like there's an investment there for each of you you know what I mean like 
that helps with the fear against, you know, like therapy or opening up this, this box of, of drama and goodies and, oh my Lord, help us. But, you know, like it really comes down to the therapist that you're seeing in order to tackle that fear. I've always said this to people, especially people who like fear therapy. I, I equate therapy to dating. Like you're not always going to get a great fit for a therapist. And I think where people don't like therapy is like they, they tried it once. They tried one therapist once. They didn't have a good experience. They just think that's how like everything is. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's just like dating. You got to go through a yeah. lot to find the right person to date. And you, you do have to go through a lot to find like the right therapist. And most people are not willing to put in like that kind of scary work, um, <laughs> which is crazy. Cause when you think about it, like a week of a therapy appointment is probably the same as a gym membership for a month or a nice first date with somebody. <laughs> like, oh yeah. But it's like fix, yeah, your own, your own noodle. Um, yeah. And there, yeah. and there, there are many things, you know, like your therapist, you know, most certainly when you sit down to start talking about things and going through the process of therapy, um, there are going to be moments that are heavy. Of course, there's going to be moments that are lighthearted, you know, but when you find that perfect therapy partner, if you will, I don't know what to call it. Um, when you <laughs> therapy partner, um, when you find <laughs> the perfect therapist though, like you, you're building a, a relationship to where you trust your therapist to not leave you in that fear place. Like you're going through the process on purpose, right? So you're investing in yourself to go through the process. And then in the end, you'll no longer have that baggage. You'll no longer have that fear. You'll walk away more whole than you were when you first started. So like, you know, giving it one or two times sometimes isn't enough. So, Oh my God. Okay. That made me, first of all, it was a great explanation, but also it made me think of just kind of this visual of like your therapist, like if you're going to like war with, which a lot of times you are in your own head. You know, you got to pick a therapist who's going to like, when you get to the trenches, because you're going to dive deep in the trenches, like they're the person who's pulling you out. Which, oh, yeah. And like, and I think the hard part is that most people don't want to face those trenches, which is like the problem. But um, that's what, therapy is amazing, isn't it? This um, is interesting, Susan, because I feel like your, your trenches analogy mm. is a little bit different for me because I don't oh. see... Caitlin is a household name for me. That is my therapist. Shout out Caitlin. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't really see her pulling me out of the trenches. She's mm. pushing me to get out of the trench myself. Mm. So she's giving me the tools so that if I find myself in that trench again, or falling back down into it, I know how to get out on my own. Oh, I don't you know have that. to depend on someone else. That's so much better. And if my therapist ever hears this, she's going to love that you corrected it. Like <laughs> <laughs> because it is. It's, it's also giving you, um, it, you know, because it's not just, I think a lot of people, therapy is like two things. And it's, I love the one, it's like, a, I, think, I don't know if I can call it a meme, but it's like, you know, this image of your head looks like a weird, like ball of yarn above it. And a therapist is helping you kind of like smooth it out and like understand yeah. it. But two is giving you those coping mechanisms for, yeah, when you are mm -hmm. in the trench again. So thank you for that. Because if my therapist heard me say that, she'd probably be like, <laughs> Um, so thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, we've gone down like a therapy rabbit hole. However, it's I okay. It. It's um, all mental health. Mental health is important. We love a good mental health conversation. So like we keep saying, you know, when you're, when you know that you're ready for like self-care and accepting self-care and all these things, I, how similar is that to like that burnout point and also preventing yourself from hitting burnout again? Yeah. Um, I think it's very similar. It's, it's almost in the same sense because it, I think burnout, whenever I think about burnout, I think about burnout more career oriented, um, rather than personally. Okay. And I, I don't know in, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, if, if you see that differently, cause I would love to know, but I feel like burnout always is like, I'm working, 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 not seeing results, like or the results aren't coming in quick enough. So I feel like I have to keep working harder in order to see more results and whatever. And um, I, get, I think that career-wise, that's that path. Um, hitting rock bottom feels more personal. Mm -hmm. So I think they're very aligned. Absolutely. You know, if you're putting your whole self into 
an area that isn't necessarily, you know, helping you as a human first, like that's going to be that burnout point. That's going to be that rock bottom point. It doesn't necessarily, you know, matter if you're doing it career or doing it family or friends or, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. But you, and you're correct. I think burnout is usually like a career term, but you can be super burnt out with your regular life. Oh yeah. Which I I don't think people normalize a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, and maybe it's terminology, you know, using burnout as a, as a personal, because like rock bottom feels like that's always rock bottom always feels like it's a personal note. Burnout feels like it's always a career note, but I think they're the same thing. Yeah. And I, and we said this before recording too. I think my issue with using the term rock bottom originally when I was like giving you a prelude for this was, I think that was always originally like an addiction term. You know, like when people hit like their rock bottom with their addiction and that was their like, you know, pivotal moment to know that they had to become sober. And so I think even to there, people don't like using rock bottom because it has that association. If I'm wrong, <laughs> I'm wrong, please. Uh, that's fair, yeah. But, you know, so I think that, yeah, I just, the amount of shame that people hold against themselves is outstanding. And I'm saying that from a very hypocritical place because I hold a lot of shame against myself (laughs) all the time. Um, So let's talk about that. Let's talk about getting ourselves out of rock bottom, out of our own trenches. Uh, I feel like, Susan, I feel like we should call it a slow burn. I feel like it's a slow burn. And that's for personal career all, all over the place. I feel like it is a slow burn. We're going to trademark it right after we stop recording the episode, and then we'll uh, take some commission on it. It'll be great. (laughs) Um, uh, Outstanding. So, okay. How do we, okay, if we're going to keep with slow burn, how do people get their fire back? Sure. So it's really taking a hot beat to turn all of the energy that you've been putting elsewhere back on yourself. Mm. So when you start turning your energy start turning your goodwill, especially being a nonprofit. I feel like, you know, it's very easy to do things for other people because you get, you get a different, um, you get a different feeling when you, when you do something nice for others, it ends up helping you. But sometimes that is like an adrenaline rush. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so it's when you start flipping that goodwill, start flipping the energy, um, and start flipping the love back on yourself. That's how you can stop that slow burn. Which is super hard for most people, or I think that they'll do it for like a day and then, mm-hmm. you know, be like, okay, well, I, you know, for one day I, I turned it around for myself and that was enough sure. and now I have to go back to giving it back to other people. That brings up a really good point because I feel like one day isn't going to cut it. Like it's oh, a culmination of days together so that you don't get to that point. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, we're saying with therapy, having the tools to pull yourself out of the trenches in order to not get back to that slow burn point, you know? Right. So would someone like, let's say that maybe you committed to like, you felt the slow burn. And so like one day a week, like Sundays was going to be like your day where you turned, you know, everyone else kind of like off and you only focus on yourself. Like would that kind of cut it? Would that be enough? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I don't think I, I think, you know, it's kind of like the bubble bath method Mm. or the weekend away from the kids method. Like that's not going to be enough to really give back to yourself. Like this is, this isn't just a, you know, I think a Sunday is great. Don't get me wrong. If you can add a Sunday, that's like a tech free Sunday and do your thing. Heck yes. But I think that there are pieces of the day throughout the day where you need to be very mindful of what it is that is the energy coming back to you. Like, it's really about like mindfulness all throughout the day. You know what I mean? Every day. Yeah. Which can sound super overwhelming to someone who is a chronic people pleaser and that chronic Mm -hmm. empath. Um, So what are some ways that people can be doing that? What are tools that people can be doing to really flip that script on them and have act, like implement something that is self-care like every single day that's you know making sure that they are taking care of themselves I think self-reflection is you know what 
what folks could be doing every day in order to be yes anding themselves. So in my course, Yes And Yourself, I go through and video lead you along with my partner, Jessica, in order to go through, you know, we go through journal prompts, there's um, activities, daily situations in order for you to really start reflecting back on yourself. And it kind of helps you answer those questions of like, you know, why am I a people pleaser? Why is it that I feel the need to do all of these other things for everyone else, but forget about me, myself and I? you know, um, and then start applying that, that care and that love back on yourself. So. Mm -hmm. And I know journaling is a really big thing that people, especially like, I think the high end, like successful people are always like at least 30 minutes a day, like with my journal. Um, do you like, is there a time limit that you give yourself where it's like, so if you have a prompt, like, you know, why am I a people pleaser? You know, do you have, do you force yourself to sit down and write for like 30 minutes or until you're done or. Sure. So uh, journaling is kind of honestly a new thing for me mm -hmm. um, within the last year, I would say year and a half. And uh, I don't, I think putting a restriction on how long you need to do something isn't necessarily being kind to yourself, especially when you first start journaling. So um, I do have 52 prompts for this year um, that mm -hmm. anybody can snag. And um in those 52 prompts, you know, it's a variety of different questions and different, um, different things to have you like thinking through self-reflection. And some of them are just start a timer and write for five minutes. Um, but we started the 52 prompts with just once a week, especially for those beginner journalers, mm. you know, like once a week seems like a, you know, a good way just to get started. And then you can make that on your Sunday when you're doing your, your, your day, Susan, <laughs> your whole day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that. So, okay. We mentioned journaling. Um, and what other kind of activities? Um, cause like I'm a really big, and this has been me in the last year was learning how to, uh, meditate. I love me a really good meditation. So yeah. Is that, that's yes. part of this program, right? Yep, that's part of the program. So it's, it, you know, it's broken down into 21 days and you'll, you'll move through the week. And then at the end of the week, there's really great meditation self-reflection moments where you take a step and you think about everything that you've kind of went through throughout the week. Mm -hmm. um, and everything really kind of builds on. Um, the, the awesome thing is our first meditation is on day seven. And uh, before you even get to the meditation, so uh, the folks who are currently taking the course are already seeing their transformation between days four and five. And I'm like freaking out because I'm like, this is magical. Like get to day four and five and you're feeling the love for yourself already. This is great. And then you start moving into meditation and, and, and the meditation is super simple. So I know that, you know, journaling can kind of seem, seem intimidating and meditation can kind of seem intimidating, but just having a starting point of just one meditation, you know, on that first week really eases you into the practice. So yeah, we've got meditation exercises. And then there's also a lot of um, uh, connection exercises as well to give you an opportunity to really connect with the people around you um, that you care about. So you really start to focus on you as an individual as well and the way that others see you. So we do some strengths uh, strengths-based practices and yeah, it's, it's a whole slew of activities and fun. Yeah. So you made this like 21 day program and yeah. So basically like at the end of it, how are people supposed to just feel? So at the beginning of the course, you decide how you're going to feel at the end. Oh, it's not it's that whole question around on me. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Cause <laughs> Cause I can't, I can't choose what success looks like for you, Susan. So you okay. might look at, you might look at your success and say, you know, success is having, you know, my podcast reach, you know, X amount of people or success might look like, you know, I just want to make sure that I read in my book every single day. Like it can vary between people because everyone is different. Mm -hmm. So the course is designed for you to define your success and to also define what makes you, you like, mm -hmm. it's up to you. You know what I mean? So we just guide you along the journey. 
Mm, interesting I like that um I also like that I was waiting for like your super rehearse like and by the end you're gonna feel like da, 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 response no. and you're like no you, <laughs> you decide like what the end is gonna be uh, which I think is super unique so um Kyla thank you for coming here and like giving a lot of laughs today even if they're just <laughs> um I feel like I've this is probably the interview I've laughed the most in like the last Oh, hour. good. Hey. Um, but okay. So where can people either check out the program or also just kind of like follow you on social, um, see a little bit of, yeah, kind of like your love and also your hilariousness. Cause that definitely also comes <laughs> on social. <laughs> oh my golly. So Instagram is the best place to find me. It's just Kyla S. Morris on Instagram and I've got my link tree up there so you can sign up for 52 journal prompts and also check out the course right there on my bio. So super easy. Otherwise, yes, and success.com. I love it. I, I like that you have those kind of like journal prompts for people though, for like an entire year. I think that that's super cool. Yeah. Um, I love that. Kylie, do you have any last minute like wisdom nuggets for us? <laughs> wisdom <laughs> nuggets? A nugget oh, of wisdom? Yeah. I feel, feel like I'm a feel like I'm a journal of nuggets and wisdom and I don't know if I'll be able to pick one but if you check me out on Instagram you might get a handful I right? get a whole oh. handful <laughs> I you love it I'm feeling it <laughs> oh my gosh all right well Kyla thank you again for coming on I think having a really good conversation about self-care is always super necessary again especially for business owners especially for the uber ambitious people in the world and especially for nonprofit people because definitely the empaths who are always thinking about other people and not themselves so thank you again and i don't have a great way that i'm going to wrap this up i'm just going to keep saying thank you until someone (laughs) thank you susan thank you (laughs) thank you and thank you (laughs) (laughs) just keep going Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Make an Impact Podcast. If you enjoyed yourself, would you do a little rate, review, subscribe, dance? And if you really enjoyed yourself, would you share this on social media so someone else could catch the impact bug? Until next time, friend, I can't wait to see what kind of impact you make on your world.